Braden and Tally Waller, the voice of my beloved podcast. And today we are going to be continuing our um, our series on the Song of Solomon. So we uh, started that last week and we are going to just be continuing to make our way through it. Slowly but surely, we're going to be getting through it. I think we got through a verse and a half last week. So. This first part is just so chock full. It's like yeah. hard not to <laughs> linger on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's so many things to, to look at. And like Brayden said last week, there's so many commentaries to look at it and so many just things to dig into. So yeah. Uh, so we're excited to be uh, continuing with the Song of Solomon. And we also want to wish everyone a happy unleavened bread season as you all are celebrating. We've had a blessed time this week celebrating uh, the Passover Seder. We had our first little Seder that we've ever had with just our family, which is a very sweet time last week. Uh, and it was just really, yeah, it was really special. It was, it was nice being able to not have to be, you know, really bugging the children to be sitting still and not spilling the juice all over and stuff. <laughs> we could we could kind of ask them bunches of questions and tell the story with them in a more uh in a more personal way. So it was that was that was really fun. We were really thankful to have that opportunity this year. Um but we've but we've really missed our family week crowd, I must say. It it was fun to do that, but I've been really missing the the daily morning worship Tabernacle of David and teachings and the fellowship and encouragement that comes every week uh, as we do this. So uh, so we'll really be looking forward to the next opportunity we have to have a big old gathering, which we're thinking, hoping, praying that maybe for Shavuot we'll be able to do that. So we'll see how things happen as we count the Omer. Or today we're on day five of the Omer. And... Uh, and so, yeah, as we continue to count the Omer, we're going to be seeing how things all play out in the world. And uh, either way, we're going to be we're going to be rejoicing uh, on Shavuot. But we would love to do that with a whole big group of people. So uh, we'll see how how God allows things to work out here. So let me think. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, we just wanted to also say we have. Uh, one of our discipleship guys has decided to stay here and help us with some things. And he's been working on our YouTube channel. And so all of the podcasts, he's been slowly, um, little by little, getting over onto our YouTube channel, which I'm not sure if that's a benefit for you all. But for those of you that like YouTube better than you know SoundCloud or iTunes, you can <laughs> look at things there. Um, 
so yeah, so we're exciting. We're get, we're getting a little more technically advanced here, technologically <laughs> advanced, thanks to other people in our lives, <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah. So we're gonna start start the study here. Yeah. So getting into the Song of Songs, I just wanted to open up and say this book really speaks to me of what's termed the romance of the gospel. It's this getting to the heart of why did Yeshua come and give his life for us. You know, in, in this book just speaks to the heart in a poetic way and helps to it helps us to enter into that level of just understanding why he did what he did, how much he really loves us. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just love this. And uh, you know, so that opening song, uh, when I am with you, I am in love. I think a lot of what we need to do is kind of scale back a little bit from being just constantly bombarded with the media and entertainment that seeks to gain our attention and just make ourselves available. Mm-hmm. I know even in marriage, just being available to each other, just being there to share each other's hearts with one another, that that's a big part of a relationship. Right. And I believe in our modern world, that's one of the things, you know, we need to get back to that romance of the gospel. I'm just, I like to be with you, Yeshua. You know, I believe that you came and you gave your life because you really, really love me. And I want to make myself available just for you to share your heart with me. And, and I, you know, just that, that whole beauty of him wanting a relationship with us. I think this, this book really speaks to that. So yeah. jumping into the first verse here uh, that we're going to go into today is uh, verse two. And it's the second part of verse two. It says in Hebrew, ki tovim dodecha miyain. And so you hear that word dod. You may, those that are kind of familiar with Hebrew may have heard the phrase, ani le dodi ve dodi li, which is I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. So we have that same word here, dodecha, and it's the word your love. We, we have something interesting in this, this line. It's actually better translated, your loves, plural. Your loves are better than wine, mm-hmm. which speaks of just the multifaceted love of God. And the bride here, she's speaking from a convinced heart. I love what Paul says, I'm fully convinced. You know, the, the bride is convinced that God's love is better than wine. And so in the opening part of this podcast, we want to look at comparing wine and the love of God. Because uh, this, this phrase here can kind of open up in a broader way when we understand, okay, what are some of the things that wine is and how is God's love even better than that? Mm-hmm. So opening up here, wine, the wine of this world, you know, fruit of the vine can be drunk excessively. When you drink too much wine, you get drunk. And so <laughs> God's love is better than wine because you can have all you want. You can fully indulge yourself on the love of God. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. So it's better than wine for that reason. It's better than wine because it's free. You know, wine for this world, you got to pay for it. You got to go to the store and buy it. I love Isaiah 55. It says, ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So here is the invitation. Come get this wine. You don't even have to have money. Come buy it without money. <laughs> you know, basically you can, get, you can get it without any, even paying for it. And so God's love is better than wine because it's free. Mm-hmm. Yeshua said, come freely drink of the water of life. It's a free offer. It's like, how could you not take him up on this? You know, to just come and freely drink, to freely partake of his love. Mm-hmm. Next, it's better than wine because wine goes sour. Wine can, you know, after a while it turns to vinegar. 
And God's love never turns sour. It's new every morning. You can partake of it every day. The same love of God is accessible to you every day. And, you know, in this verse, one of the ways of understanding is that wine can be a picture of the good things on one hand that God has made for us to enjoy. And God's love is better than even those things. For example, friendships, you know, with, you know, a husband and wife relationship, uh, it's better than, uh, you know, going for a nice walk in the woods. You know, those are great things. It's better than going for a canoe ride down the, down a river. It's better than, uh, going on a bungee jumping, you know, for the adventurous out there. It's better, you know, like the wine is like, and maybe that's getting a little more in like, not so much of the positive, but you know, <laughs> aspects of, but like wine is not evil in itself. You know, it's when it's abused that's bad. But so in a good way, you know, God has created things for our enjoyment. You know, he's given us food to feast with. He's given us wine, you know, and it, it can be abused for sure. But he, in, in this proper context, there's a good place for it. But this verse speaks that God's love is even better than all those things. So we need to set our priorities in the things that are better. You know, even when Yeshua with Mary, he says, Mary's chosen the better part. She's chosen to spend time with me. That's better. It's better. And so that's what we have to get our priorities lined. Yes, we want to thank God for the blessings of this life, for marriage, for uh, children, for food, for these blessings that, you know, God created the world. He said, it's good. These are good things, but God's love is better than all of it. You know, when it says God's love is better than wine, it's actually saying it's better than actually something that's even good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's better than a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely see both sides of that too, because, um, you know, you think of wine, uh, and you know, like you said, it has that, uh, that connotation with alcohol and, and drunkenness and stuff. And so, um, I think of the counterfeit, like what the world kind of says is the, you know, the pursuit of life, like <laughs> what you should go after, you know, riches, happiness, um, you know, drunkenness or whatever, you know, it, there's what the, the counterfeit of what the world offers um, and so, you know, I think that that's what it's saying. It's saying this is, this is so much better than that. It's better than anything that the world would have to offer any kind of counterfeit that, that the world would have to, to offer. Uh, but not only that wine is also seen, you know, like really positively because I th always think of when I think of wine, I think of, you know, especially spending a lot of time in Israel, spending a lot of time, uh, just, uh, you know, in a the culture that appreciates it in a culture in a, in a good appreciates way. It. Yeah. Yeah. Wine for me has a, has a very good connotation. You know, I, I, when I think of wine, I think of oh, Passover or I think of Sukkot and I think of Shabbat, you know, I think of all of these, these holy, um, all these holy times and how you look forward to the, the like excitement and the anticipation and wine is like a special part of that. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's incorporated. It sets it apart. Yeah. It's, it's what sets it apart. And so, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, how great those things are. Like how much we anticipate those times of set apartness, you know, you know, anticipating those times coming and, uh, and how, you know, God's love is even greater than even that. Like even as holy as it is, as holy as all of those times are, his love is even greater. It's even bigger. It's even something to be anticipated in an even greater way yeah. than that. And it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty mind boggling, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember reading something from Mark Twain, actually. He had a real, if you don't know much about Mark Twain, he actually had some pretty 
sour things to say about God. You know, he had some real witty things to say, he had really entertaining things, but he had some real sour things to say about God. He actually believed in God, but he didn't really appreciate God. And one of the reasons why is because it says in the scriptures, there's no marriage in heaven. And he thought that was just wrong. <laughs> so, but I think this verse helps clarify that marriage is a blessing, you know, earthly marriage. God has given us a blessing in marriage. It's a good thing, mm-hmm. but God's love is better. You know, uh-huh. so Mark Twain didn't realize that he didn't have that revelation that God's love is even better than the wine, the good thing. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he had a real gripe against guys like, you know, how could God be good if there's not even marriage? Because Yeshua says it. There'll be neither marrying nor giving a marriage in heaven. Right. And some people go like, well, that's no be a, that'll be a letdown. What a letdown, <laughs> right. you know? It's a, but no, I, I, I can guarantee you one thing. Right. Heaven was not going to be a letdown. No. I mean, <laughs> the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all the people around God's throne, they're not bored at all. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're fully engaged and they're, they're really excited actually yeah. to be there. They've seen it. They've yeah. seen, they've seen. They've God's tasted, they've yeah. tasted this love that's better than wine. Yeah. And so then moving on, you know, wine is also in the scriptures. Uh, we see references to the healing quality of wine. You know, with the Good Samaritan, he comes up to the guy, he's been beaten up, he's got these wounds, he pours oil and wine into the wounds. And so we see there's healing properties in wine. I think it's, uh, they kill, it kills bacteria. And so, but God's love is even more healing than wine. So God's love is better than wine. And he, so you receive, if you're out there listening, just be encouraged to receive God's love, to choose the better part like Mary. Spend time at the feet of Yeshua. Allow him to speak his words into your heart, the gentle healing words that he has to speak to you, and he'll bring healing to you. It's better than wine. It's better. It has more power to heal your soul yeah. than the wine has to heal your flesh. Better than a psychology book. Better than a psychology <laughs> book, yes. You know, if, there's if a we good... could just get a revelation of God, we wouldn't need any psychology books. <laughs> psychology to... has its place, you yeah. know, to understand. You know, and I, I think you're probably more into it than I am, yeah. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> as Definitely far as just trying to understand. Place. <laughs> but, I I, you know, I think it's, it, it may be beneficial to understand how people think. I mean, I've, I think since we've been married 11 yeah. years now, you know, uh, yeah, no. just now I've understood you better, just kind of appreciating how you work. Uh-huh. But... There's a limit to it. Right. And God's love is actually so much better uh-huh. than actually just, you know, spending all of your time trying to figure out psychology. Yeah, I know. Well, I think, you know, because I, I really do kind of enjoy psychology and figuring out how different people are built differently and why they do things and react differently. As much as I enjoy that, I think that when it all comes down to it, that that's, that is that is the healing thing in almost any problem in almost any relationship. If people could just grasp, um, could just grasp the, the enormity of the love of God. Um, it's, it's true that most, uh, it brings so much healing, more healing than working it out with this person or, you know, getting, you know, understanding this person better. Um, when you understand the love of God, it, it just brings healing in such a, in such a real way. And I've, I know I've seen that in my, in my own life is, uh, just seeing things that, you know, you know, you're trying to figure out in a relationship or, you know, when there's a breakdown of some sort and, um, realizing that the best thing that I can do 
is get secure in, in God's love for me. And that's going to be the most healthy way for me to even try to find an answer, <laughs> you know, in a lot right. of these, in a lot of these places. And so, well, if yeah. psychology is understanding how the brain functions, we have to recognize that God is the ultimate psychologist. I mean, yeah. he knows, <laughs> he knows that how our brains function the best. And he gives the first commandment, which is to love him. Yeah. He says like, here, I'll give you the, the manual that basically yeah. the way that your life works the best. Here's the manual. You put loving me first, your emotional life is going to be the healthiest possible <laughs> right, if right. you live that way. Yeah, that's good. If you get distracted from that main thing, then your emotional life is really going to suffer. Uh-huh. But if you keep loving God first and then loving people yeah. second, that's that's the ultimate. I mean, that's like the blueprint right there. Like that's how you're going to live to the max right. in this earthly life. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, you know, I don't want to downplay the loving uh, your brother as yourself because I do feel like that is... Uh, that is supposed to be one of our main goals. Like as we love him more, it helps us to love other people more. And so it's not just like a, well, I know God loves me and I don't have right. to work it out with any of these people in my yeah. life. Because, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> First John even addresses that, right? He says, how can you love your brother whom you see? Yeah. If you, you know, right. how, how, how does he say that? He's like, it, can love, you, can you, love you can't see God. You say you love him, but you can see your brother. And you don't even love him. You don't love him. So yeah, it doesn't really add up. Yeah, it doesn't work out. So I don't, you know, I don't want to downplay that at all. And I think that there's, you know, reason to, to really work to figure things out. But I think that as we go into those kinds of things, the most grounded place we can be is when we know the love of God in our own life. And we recognize the love of God (laughs) in even the people that we're working it out with, you know, understanding his love for them as well will help us to kind of get through those things. Yeah. And I think (laughs) studying this book, the song of Solomon helps us to unpack the love of God. Cause I think in some ways it can become cliche, like, Mm -hmm. you know, God loves you, but I can tell you for sure there is a place of being in love. Yeah. You know, there's an actual emotion of being in love and people that are in love, you'll notice this in marriage relationships. I mean, when Tally and I first falling in love and also for people that are just head over heels for Yeshua Uh that just truly love Jesus, there's something of a giving of your heart there that it it overrides so many things. Uh You know, a person that just truly loves Yeshua with all their hearts, they'll go through great lengths to show like just to, they'll, so much of their obedience is, Mm -hmm. is rooted in that. They, They love him. They're just, they're, there's totally given to him in, in a uh, marriage relationship, you know, that love is very motivating and it's not just a cliche thing. It's a real emotion and, and God is love. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it, it has become cliche, it's our fault. God is love. The essence of who God is, is love. Mm-hmm. And so we need to uh, really appreciate that and, and, and pray that that fire of his love would touch our hearts and, uh, and that it would, that we'd be able to redeem even the name of love because yeah. so much is done in the name of love it doesn't really represent who God is, but we want to reclaim that. We want to really press in and find out what is God's love yeah. about. Yeah. And also, you know, even as you're bringing that up, I'm thinking about wine too. Um, when you get drunk on wine, when there's like an overabundance of it, it leads to like unholiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think a lot of times that's kind of where, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the more love that we receive from God it should lead to more holiness in our life. And I think that's where it's kind of been abused as, you know, you know, um, people that are saying, you know, God loves me. And so it doesn't matter what my life looks like, or it doesn't matter, you know, what, what kind of unholiness is in my life because God loves me. And, and I think that, that we aren't 
truly understanding God's love in that place. Because when we get drunk on the love of God, it leads to holiness. It leads to righteousness. That's what, that's what the end result is there. Um, and, and it leads to healing. It leads to healing in our, in our lives and our relationships. You know, that's where, when we are drunk on the love of God, it leads to, to that good fruit, good, good, uh, righteous place. So, yeah. yeah, I think of the Holy spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost, which we're counting up to and how the people thought they're drunk. It's like, these people are drunk, you know, but it just speaks <laughs> of the Holy spirit's ability to release God's love into our hearts. You know, it says in Romans, it says that the love of God is poured out in our hearts, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. Those people, they had a dousing of the Holy spirit, Peter and those disciples, they were dousing the Holy spirit and, uh, and they were experiencing God's love. That's better than wine. It's better than wine, but it's, there's this exhilaration that comes with it. And these mm-hmm. the onlookers like, wow, these guys are drunk, you know? right. but they weren't drunk. <laughs> they were drunk on the love of God. Right. You know, they were, they were totally, um, they were totally captured by yeah. the Holy spirit poured out in them had just released such a measure of the love of God in them. They were on a high. Yeah. And, uh, and this is, this is where we want to aim for is that just to be, you know, receiving God's love through the Holy spirit and then uh-huh. be able to communicate to other people that measure of love. Yeah. And even in that story too, um, you know, the, the onlookers, if they stayed long enough, they realized that this was a holy thing, you right. know, that they're, they're not just, this isn't foolishness that's happening here. Right. This is, you know, they're speaking in, in other tongues, they're speaking edification. They're telling the story of Yeshua in another language that they don't even know. You know, it's like you could, if you stayed long enough, you could see, yeah. you know, this isn't just a bunch of, uh, yeah, those are people the probably the people that were pretty good distance off. They're like, there's yeah, just right. something crazy going on <laughs> over there. These people are very happy. <laughs> oh, right. There must be something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we see in Psalm 104, verse 15, it says, in wine that makes glad the heart of men. So here we see, as we've been talking about, there's, you know, natural wine. You drink, it, it increases your, your joy. You mm-hmm. kind of, you get giddy. Yeah. And so, but God's love is better. God's love, it produces more joy than the wine of this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's something to be partaken of. And then we have Psalm 63 goes along with this verse. Your love is better than life. You know, you could, you kind of put those side by side. Your love is better than wine. Your love is better than life. And uh, both the bride and David, they're speaking out of revelation. They've, they've experienced, they've touched God's love to, the, to a measure. When that, when that burning heart in God touched my heart and they're just speaking they're not just speaking out of, out of, out of, out of the blue. They're not just speaking out of thin air. They, they've David had a revelation of God's love. Mm-hmm. He said, oh God, your love is better than life even. You know, this, mm-hmm. this life we have is a blessing. It's a gift that yeah. God's given us. But he's like, oh, your love is better than life. Uh-huh. It's such an amazing revelation that he had. May we enter into that revelation in a greater measure. Yeah, this is, it's also kind of bringing to mind uh, Yeshua with the whole Passover Seder where he offers to uh, to his disciples, the wine, and he says, "This is my blood. This is my life, pretty much." You know, according to the to the Torah, the blood was the life. You mm-hmm. know, and how um, his blood shed is um, his blood shed is what is you know showed his enormous love for his disciples, for his people, his bride. Yeah. So then, First John two sixteen it says, "For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world." So God's love is, is, it just trumps all these things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. When you tap into God's love, 
then those things have much less of a pull in your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not saturated or satisfied with God's love, these things just become so tantalizing. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these counterfeits mm-hmm. become so tantalizing to you. But when you're satisfied in God's love, then you realize that these things are just total, total counterfeits. Yeah. And you, you also think of, you know, the blessings that God gives us, um, the things that he gives us in life to enjoy the, 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 you know, blessing of family of, of food, even, you know, of, of being able to rejoice with people to have joy in, you know, a baby being born. Like he, he's given us all of these, um, blessings in life, things that he's given us for joy. And you look at these things and, uh, void of the love of God, those things dull, you know, right. they, they dull even. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I think that's where the, the love of God it w- is what gives color to all of the blessings of life and mm-hmm. what makes all of the blessings of life even look like blessings, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look a little bit at the words of Yeshua before he went to the cross. You know, it's John 15, 16 and 17 is so key in understanding Yeshua's heart for us. And I just encourage you to meditate on those passages. And uh, actually, here in the next little bit, we're hoping to have put music to these chapters. And I want to release those just to, for people to be able to meditate. And just I, I did these for uh, memorization purposes, just to memorize these verses. But mm-hmm. they're so rich in Yeshua just sharing his heart. And uh, he says in John fifteen nine, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. That's a massive statement, he says there. As the Father loved me. I also have loved you. And keeping in mind, these are disciples that are arguing that night about who's the greatest. Right. They're, they're just making a lot of mistakes, you know? And so, but yeah, he says, like the father loves me, the father loves Yeshua with an, an immense amount of love. Mm-hmm. Said, with that same love that he loves me, I love you, immature disciples. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just want to encourage all of you out there. This journey with God is, is to be, Yes, taken seriously. Yet, you know that we would, uh, we would. You know, it's such about fear and trembling. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know that we have that fear of God, but also realize that God's love helps us to even work through our immaturity. You know, because we realize, you know, some people just spend their time beating themselves up about all the failures that they feel. You know, that just like constantly beating themselves up. But look, Yeshua loves these disciples. He's he's got an, an immense amount of love for them, even as he realizes, he sees what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. That's what I encourage all of you out there listening. He sees what you're, what you're going to be. And believing in his love is what's going to help you get to that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accuser of the brethren is going to try to knock you down, try to tell you that you don't have any, ha- any chance. Mm-hmm. You know, next year you're going to be in the same predicament. But no, God's love says, no, you get back up and you're going to be able to go on. And mm-hmm. this is what we see with the disciples. You know, they, Peter, he denies the Lord, mm-hmm. but yet he gets back on his feet. And the love of God is what enabled him to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but then uh, moving on, John 17, he's praying there. He says, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. 
here again, he's going, he's going for the very highest bar. You can't, you can't get any higher when you're talking about in terms of love. Right. You know, he's just I, going for the very highest. Yeah. I mean, you might not believe you can say, oh, how can God love me? You know, looking at yourself, like how could, but you could never say, well, did God love Yeshua? <laughs> like, right. Like there, you can't even argue with that. Like, right. of course, of course he loves Yeshua. And that's the kind of love he has for you. Even Yeshua is praying that. Yeah. Father, they would understand that the love you have for me is the love that you have for them. Yeah. And it's not making an excuse for immaturity. It's not making an excuse for sin. It's just to understand the tremendous amount of mercy that God has. Tremendous amount of mercy. And uh, and, and I think it's getting back to this place of Song of Solomon where you realize that God's love is something to be pursued far above any other. It's more satisfying. And that Mm -hmm. when your heart is convinced that God's love is more satisfying than the wine of this world, then you pursue it in a way that is, uh, in a more intense way. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're, you, the world no longer has a hold on you. You're, you're given over. You're like, Oh, that's what I'm going to live my life for pursuing, loving God first and loving others. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the goal of your life. And that, that's what you want to make the goal. You want to make the first commandment, your primary target. And then moving on John 17, 23, I and them, uh, John 17, 26, the very last part there, it says, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. So he's actually praying this love would be in us. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's going to be a great maturity. That's going to be the bride made ready. When that kind of love is in us, then mm-hmm. that's going to be powerful. And he, Yeshua's prayer will be answered. I believe mm-hmm. he's a, a very effective intercessor. He's yeah. praying that for us. He's praying for the people that will believe in him, that his love would be in them. And I just want to believe that for, for all of us in this season. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. I think we're going to stop there and uh, we'll leave you until next week. We got through a whole half of a verse today, but this was a big thing, a big, a big piece. So, <laughs> but, but blessings to all of you as you continue out to your, uh, the feast of unleavened bread. This is Brayden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He is coming quickly. How you stood in between the whip that should have beaten me to the call. You said yes.